Yeah, man, we stayed out. I was asking Doug. I was like, you know, when's uh? <laughs> I was like, well, when are you about to head home? He's like, no, we'll see what happens. And then all of a sudden, it's two a.m., three a.m. Well, it was three a.m. and then it was two a.m. <laughs> And then it may have gone to 3 a.m. again because the clock's changed. That's right. That is right. I forgot about that. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson back in the studio today. Check Three us. the hard way is back, folks. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. So the Hornets did play the Atlanta Hawks last night. Kind of scary in the first half. Exactly a three-point deficit, I believe. It wasn't exactly the best performance from them. Wait, what do you mean kind of scary for just the first half? It was scary for three quarters. I thought they were yeah. legitimately going to lose that game. They, they, they did win the third quarter, 30-23, to 23, and then they came out in the fourth playing pretty well. But again, you're right. It was very close up until the end of that game. And then Malik Monk caught fire. Marvin Williams was slowly and steadily hitting some shots throughout the game. And then even Nick Nick Batum contributed a little bit, and then some bad ways at the end of that game. Yes, exactly. He had the nerve to make that game a whole lot closer than it (laughs) needed to be. Uh, But we'll get into all of that as the show goes on. Again, the Hornets won 113-102, to and I think the number one storyline that you saw here, at least throughout the course of this game, is Kimball Walker keeping a minute. Uh, Even in the first half, it was all Kimba Walker driving to the basket, hitting a couple of threes, and even in the third quarter, Kimba showed out again last night. 29 points for him and even seven assists, and you see him in the top five in scoring in the league, and they really relied on him, again, to keep that Hornets team in the game for majority of it until you got to the fourth quarter and he's finally able to hand off the baton. Exactly, and that was the one thing that bugged me is that they needed basically an almost supernova performance to keep them in it against the Atlanta Hawks, which are a two-win team? Yeah, no Torian Prince. Uh, you do have Trey Young. They had 22 turnovers, and Charlotte had 21, which was the most that they've had. But there were a lot of reasons to separate from this team. And for some reason, the Hawks just kept finding themselves back in it. And it was one of the most annoying performances I've ever had to watch. No, I think it's going to happen throughout the season. You're going to play bad teams, and sometimes those bad teams will will hang around. And I think this Hornets team did exactly what you wanted them to do. They they kept their head in the game, and uh, you know slowly pulled away in the second half and and shored up some things from the first half. I'm not bothered by this. I, I'm not going to be bothered by a W that happens at the beginning of the season because the schedule gets a lot tougher for hey, the that's Hornets. That's Bill Barcells. You, you are what your record says you are. We won the game, right? Top that's of the it. Southeast. <laughs> How can you complain? Yeah, well, the division is awful. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The Hornets <laughs> are the okay. tallest midget in the Southeastern division right now. That's uh, all we are. This Southeast division is pretty bad. But again, when did the rule change when you didn't have to win the division and it count towards your seating at all? I mean, that was what was that? like an 06 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That was a David Stern rule change, which surprises me. Yeah, and so it doesn't matter what you were in. the If you won your division, then you would be a top four seed in your conference. Because I remember it was the Spurs in Dallas. They were in the same exact division. And I remember there was kind of strategic tanking where they were trying to mm-hmm. – other teams were trying to figure out a way, okay, how many games do we have to win to play maybe the second seed so we don't have to play the Dallas Mavericks who are going to be the fifth seed, the wild card essentially. Exactly. And that I remember that biting um, 
San Antonio in the butt when they had when they lost to Memphis that one year. Uh, that was 2015 when they decided to seed playoff teams in each conference by record. So instead of the division, was it that lo- was it that recently? According to Google. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm oh. not going to argue with Google. Maybe if it was Wikipedia or something, but even then I would imagine that case is stronger than mine. Man, I'm just surprised that it was only three years ago. I feel so like it was longer than that. So anyways, doesn't matter. The Hornets, it's not going to apply to them even if they were to be atop this division race and win it for the course of the season. But, but do- it is good. Right. But We talked about this yesterday, Doug, how the other teams are kind of imploding that they were going to be battling with in the first place. Yeah, it's going to help them in the Eastern Conference in general. And and you do remember that a couple of seasons ago in their last playoff appearance, they lost a tiebreaker because uh, they they had some head-to-head matchups with some of those teams that they were battling with. Um, and and conference and division record comes into play there as well. Well, and and again, them beating the Miami Heat, it goes to show it, that's a that's a big two games under your belt when you're able to beat yeah. them and you don't have to have that. Like if Miami's able to turn it around. I would imagine those two games are big. I cannot wait for the Hornets to play the Wizards. I'm going to check and see when that first game is. The Wizards have been a Mark it on fire. my calendar. They lost by, tw- like, it was close to 20, right? Yeah. The Dallas close Mavericks to last 20 night. to Dallas. I mean, unbelievable. And Dallas has not been a good basketball team. Dallas is a 28-28 win team waiting to happen. And Washington just gets destroyed. Late Christmas present. First game, Hornets at Wizards. <laughs> nice. On 12-29. And and they they always kind of perform well against the Wizards too, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe they went. I, I think they swept them last yeah, season. Yeah, I, I I felt like they've always had uh, some success, even though you look at the talent. The Wizards have the talent. Them boys just can't play together. No, they can't play together. And the other, that's the other really funny thing is that are we sure that team is going to be intact? By no. the 29th of December. No, who knows? They absolutely could trade something away. Uh, wanting to get to the fourth quarter here real quickly of the Charlotte Hornets game. We, we already praised Kimba like we will a lot of shows throughout the season. But Malik Monk in the fourth quarter performed extraordinary. And he did not in the first three quarters. He was pretty bad. No, he was pretty bad. I mean, he got Jeremy Lin ignited on offense in that first half of the game. And then what impressed me more about what he did in the fourth quarter was what he did with the ball, the decision-making, the distributing, everything he did. They ran the same set eight straight times and basically went seven for eight on, again, getting buckets. They only had one turnover. And it was primarily his decision-making, his ability to feed the post, feed Cody, feed Batum twice for easy layup and dunk. And Monk said after the game to Fox Sports Southeast that that's something that Coach Borrego has been pressuring him on, making good decisions with the basketball, making that right shoot-pass-drive decision, and you saw it there in the fourth quarter. No, you did, and you kept mentioning the eight plays, basically. It seemed like they ran in a row. It was all dribble handoff action. It was Malik Monk starting from a low block and then coming around, and then in one instance, ending up in the same place that he started, doing a Mm -hmm. cycle that ended with the layup. Malik was fantastic in the passing. Look, I I always know like the reason you tweet at me every single time there's a nice dime. I'll take all the Malik Monk dime tweets that you can give me. You had a couple of them last night. One was just a fireball. I believe it was to Nick Batum down low. I I forget who it was. And then uh, there was a really, uh, there was a nice other pass that he had dribbling, I believe, in transition. But again, Malik Monk did a fantastic job in the fourth quarter and even had a couple of times where he was able to stay in front of Trey Young. So the third... The first three quarters, they were bad, and you have to try to get some kind of level of consistency. Doug is laughing at me. I a don't fireball. Know I just love a fireball as a 
fire. He was a fireball down there. No, Mario, hot. Mario Monk. It was coming it, in hot. It absolutely <laughs> was the fire flower, dog. It absolutely was the fire flower. <laughs> the fourth quarter fire flower. Yeah, it didn't even hit the ground. It just went straight to Nick. I thought it hurt his hands a little bit. Hurt my hands just watching it. Ooh. Nick catch that fireball. Kind of burned it a little bit. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help keep us making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Can you catch a fireball? Isn't it just a ball of fire? That's impossible. You can't catch a fireball. Oven mitts. Of gloves. But well, there's nothing kind of to catch fire. You can't catch fire. I mean, the Goombas never did in Mario, so I guess it's not possible. <laughs> That's true. Stick around with more analysis on the fireball <laughs> here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Was that dunk last night for Miles Bridges the best dunk of the year, not only for the Charlotte Hornets, but possibly the entire NBA to this point? I mean, if we're going to talk about fire, we need to start there. That was a fireball through the hoop. Yes, it was. I mean, that burned the nets. It was so fiery. It was amazing. What I think is an underrated part of that dunk is Miles Bridges, as we all have grown to know, mm-hmm. is a left-hander. Yes. That dunk was caught on the fly from Billy Hernan Gomez, and he cocks it back with his right hand and slams it down as if he were ambidextrous. It was pretty incredible what he was able to do, and that dunk to me... As far as I think to this point, I don't know if I've seen a dunk better. And you see national attention, Whoa. by the way. Not, not at least to this point in the season. And you see national NBA Twitter. Yeah. I mean, they're running away with it as well. I have one problem with the dunk, though. He did not stick the landing. D- does that matter? It matters to me because I had to watch uh, Tyler Hansborough do this a lot in, at UNC in his four years there. <laughs> Hold up. And and it, there's a couple of things that that are wrong with it. One, I think it I, I do think it takes away from the the uh, how pretty the dunk is if you fall on your ass afterwards. And number two, it's a it's kind of an injury risk. I was a little worried when he hit the floor like that so violently. Wait, are you really comparing Tyler Hansborough to Miles Bridges? Just go back and look at him dunking in UNC. He no, would always no, 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 stick no, no, the no. landing. Do, do you realize how you sound right now? Because you dunk so ferociously that you're not concerned with your legs. You're more concerned with that upper body strength. Fall down seven times, get up eight. That's, that's the landing. <sighs> he has looked pretty good in the minutes that he has gotten this season, though. And I think that's something where, at least to me, He's exceeded my expectations, certainly, even when we came into the season and he had already improved in preseason. You know, what he's been able to do when James Borrego has given him the opportunities, how about Miles Bridges logging 20 minutes last night in a tight game? We've seen him play in the fourth quarter of some tight games this year already. You know, nine points for him, three rebounds. I, I saw Rick Bennell tweet out, a, he tweeted out something where you know, if you could ask him any question you wanted to about the Hornets, just doing a mailbag, somebody asked him, what are, the, what are the shots that Miles Bridges could be a rookie of the year candidate? I don't think that there's a shot. I think Doncic and DeAndre Ayton are the two yes. ahead of everybody else. But what you've seen from Miles is certainly 
pleasing when you see what he's done as a rookie for this team that I don't know if you've gotten a whole lot from other rookies in the last few years. No, you haven't. And the big thing is when you're picking 11, 12, 13, 14, you're hoping for just a guy that can fill a role. And they may have gotten themselves a solid starter that's going to provide a lot of stuff for them. And if you can just get that solid starter, develop them, turn them into something, then you've done your job. And the fact that Mitch and them have come in here with a plan, because, again, there is a plan in place when it comes to this team, which I'm not sure we could say before. But the fact that there is this plan in place right now just makes it, again, gives you confidence that he's going to keep developing. It's situational too, right? Because we we knew when he was drafted that he was coming to a team with solid options at three and four, and mm-hmm. you just had Borrego basically recommit to Marvin Williams as his starting power forward. So it was going to be an uphill climb anyway for Miles Bridges. But what you like is that he was basically out of the rotation to begin this season, and because of his energy and because of the plays like that that he makes on the floor – He has worked himself into the rotation. That's extremely positive. There was a play last night where Miles Bridges caught it at the top of the key and decided to drive to his left, and he got an and one off of it. Mm -hmm. He was able to hit the layup, and he was sent to the foul line. And when he was driving left, Jeremy Lamb was in the corner, open for a three. He was wide open. And instead of passing it, Miles decided to take it to the goal. It was one of those okay, Smart decision, probably miles. Well, I would say wrong decision in the in that situation because it was a pretty contested shot, but it was the right result. And so it's one of those things where the coaches get mad that you take a crazy shot and it's like, you better hit it if you didn't. I was gonna take you to the bench. It wasn't that egregious, but Miles went to Jeremy after that play and apologized, you know, kind of gave him some dap and said, that's my bad, man. I got to hit you next time. And I thought Jeremy, it looked a little bit frustrated that he didn't get the ball in that situation, but, you know, said, okay, you kind of live with the result because it went in. I just thought that was a cool moment for Miles that you could see him. Hey, my bad, Jeremy, I got to hit you on that. Even if I did make that play. Uh, I I really have a hard time feeling bad for Jeremy Lamb in situations where he's, well, I'm not saying I feel bad for him. I'm saying I'm committing. That's cool for a rookie to go to. I'm not sitting here sobbing for Jeremy, not hitting the corner. I'm not getting the ball. It's just that's a cool moment for Miles to say, hey, vet, my bad. I should hit you right there, even if he did go to the foul line with an and one opportunity. A couple other things on this dunk. We didn't mention he did the uh, Vince Carter rev celebration right in front of Vince. That was pretty (laughs) – I mean, that's, whew, that's a, all, is the kids call it a flex, I believe. Is yeah, that right? Yes. That, that is no, a flex. That is, yeah. Let me raise my glasses up. That Ooh. is a flex, I believe, from Miles Bridges. And on Twitter, he did he did tweet at Vince and said, you know, nothing but respect. I believe he had a couple of gorilla emojis there. I don't know exactly. Maybe it's just the, the strength of the dunk that he was able to have. Let's, but not, he dis- did. let's not discuss this any further now. <laughs> Are we going racist? Is that what we're about to do? Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah, we let's... don't discuss the gorilla emojis. Please. But I'm just tell I'm being a reporter in that situation that's what Miles Bridges put out there and did tweet at him so the rev was awesome to see what Miles Bridges did uh revving up with Vince Carter man is that is that a cool move that Vince Carter like I felt like that was kind of later in Vince Carter's career that he adopted that move and I've never been I'm a huge Vince Carter fan never loved the rev though did you like the rev yes even though he's even though Vince stole it from young jock <laughs> well, that's that's a side rev. That's not a front rev. Like he does it to the side. It's almost like he turns to the side and revs the bike. He uh, doesn't do it to the front. Well, true, but even even then, did even he? Then. Was that is that post Young Jock or did Vince make it up? 
No, I think that, I think it was around the same time. I want to know when the first rev he did was because he wasn't doing it when he was a rookie and a sophomore in the league. Like no, he, he wasn't doing it in Toronto. I did he? If it was in Toronto, it would have been much later. And Young Jock, I was in middle school when he came out with that song. Well, I know you. Thank see you for it, making also, me feel. No, I, no. well, Thank it wasn't that song, but right? No, I was in middle school. When exactly, that was and we was, were dancing awkwardly in the gym to that song. Man, Miles jumped over Dwayne Dedman. Like, Dwayne had every opportunity to jump as high as he could to block this dunk straight up, and Miles just jumped straight over him. It's amazing. No. Well, yeah, it is. My, my, he also kicked that leg way up. Uh, that could be a future Draymond situation if he's not careful. <laughs> and then he falls, like, almost on his face. I'm telling you, it take, it, for me, if you I, this really might not be a popular Doug, opinion, but no, it takes away from the I'm going to tell you it's not. No. <laughs> if, if, you, if you really want to impress Doug Branson, land your damn dunks. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. One more segment to go. Thanks for sticking around here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, I mean, did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay. <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot. There. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Shout out to our research team here at Locked on Hornets. We were able to find the answer during the break of when Vince Carter invented the rev up celebration. It was New Jersey. It was not in any of his time in Toronto because we all know about those dunks. I imagine a lot of us, I imagine a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, at least at some point, has looked up on YouTube Vince Carter highlights, Vince Carter dunks. If you don't, you're not. If you haven't, literally, I question your basketball fandom. Right. I know I have quite a few times, and I know in Toronto that he never did it. At least in the early goings, and a lot of those dunks are from the early part of Toronto. You got a couple of good ones in New Jersey, and we found the audio of him explaining that he was in New Jersey, and he just decided to do that dance afterwards. We so. did. We found the audio, and then I accidentally closed the window, and I didn't feel like bringing the audio back up to play. So, so we got we have a crack research team, but it's it's a little bit It's lazy. on crack, too. No, it was, yeah, they, they, did, they did a great job finding it, and then eventually just not following through. They didn't land on their feet. They slammed it home, but they didn't land on their feet after they Also, done. another update, another research update. Uh, I did not find out if you can or cannot hold on to a fireball, but I did find out that fireball whiskey contains an antifreeze ingredient propylene glycol oh i do not i fireball no thank you fireball can't stand fireball are you guys big fireball fans i saw i was at a bar the other day just i think it was monday doing a show for espn 730 and somebody ordered it must have been a tough day at work somebody just got a bunch of old fireball shots and just taken them to the face i was like man I don't know what you've been going through, but I hope to God that everything gets better. I hope it wasn't the creative loafing staff or the former creative loafing staff, because that might have been them. I I don't know if it was them. All I know it was one person, and he wasn't sharing that fireball with anybody. So the Charlotte Hornets and Miles Bridges talking a lot about them so far in this podcast. And then you look at some of the other games that they have. Philadelphia on Friday. It's going to be a three-game road stretch that they have. And Philadelphia, it's interesting to see how many times they have them early in the schedule. 
three times by November 17th, and then I don't believe you play them until way later in the season. Which is interesting because last season, they had them all four times late in the season. Yeah, like after February, right? Yeah. Yeah. So by November 17th, you're going to have faced the 76ers three times. Again, they played the Heat twice very early. They will have played the Hawks twice very early, and they won't play the the Hawks, I think, is kind of in the midseason. But again, we've talked about Miami. They won't play Miami again until very late in the year. So I think it's important for this team to capitalize against these Eastern Conference teams as much as they can because you're not going to be playing them. you got some Western uh, Conference road trips in the mix as well among some other Western teams coming to your place. I want to repeat this for the umpteenth time. Nuclear death is coming January 1st, folks. It's going to be a lot of batting down the hatches. Go get you some, again, some cans of sardines. A lot of fireballs. Nuclear winter is coming, guys, in terms of the NBA schedule for the Charlotte Hornets. Get your wins now. Get them early. Get them often. Be a doomsday prepper when it comes to these wins. Detroit Pistons coming up on the 11th. They're doing very Detroit Pistons things. They started off 4-0. Now they are 4-5. So that's a that's a win opportunity, and then of course they play the Cavaliers again on the thirteenth. That's, yeah, that's a good chance, right? You you look at their next six games, and because there's one road trip and one homestand in both and and three uh, game sequences within the next six games, you look at the road trip. It's Philly, Detroit, Cleveland. I would like to go two and one in that scenario, yes. even if it's a, a road trip. I, one and two is not the end of the world. I would like to go two and one, but then you have Philly at home, Boston at home, Indiana at home. And I, you could very well see them go 0-3 in that stand, and you're yep. hoping they just get one of those. I think you're looking at, are you hoping for 500 in this stretch? Yeah. Like, if you go, I don't know, t- again, if you go, if you go, like again, if you're 10-11 and 11 at the end of that stretch, I think you're okay. I, I just, it's, it's one of those situations where I'd rather see them win those road games and then let the homestand chips fall where they may. Because I don't think they're beating Boston and the other two, depending on which Philly team shows up, is a toss-up. Indiana is going to be a lot tougher than I think people think. Then there's a a plethora of Western Conference games that you have in between between basically the later part of November and the early part of December. But then you get a a couple of very winnable games from the East. You you mentioned Washington, you mentioned Brooklyn, or you mentioned Washington, Doug. They play them December 29th. They get Brooklyn a couple times before then. They get Detroit, and they get Cleveland. They get the Los Angeles Lakers, where it's certainly, I mean, that's going to be a decent matchup at least. So they've got some other winnable games, but there might be a little bit of a tough stretch there. So we'll see what the Charlotte Hornets are able to do within their next six games or so and going forward. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. See you guys.